Let's welcome to the Yaakov M. Show, Abe Schoenfeld. Abe was very involved in the world of Shaduchim for over a decade. He was a longtime Shidduch event organizer, made many Shaduchim himself, still coordinates singles weekends. And I've spoken with Abe a great deal. He has spent a lot of time studying, analyzing the Shidduch crisis and all the dynamics surrounding that. So, Abe, with that introduction, welcome. Great to have you here. Hello, Yaakov. Hi. It's a pleasure, pleasure to have you. And obviously, this is a very fundamental and important topic, and I know... How many years? Greetings to you and all your listeners. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Same to you. So let's jump right in here. Point blank. uh, Do you feel that there is a shit of crisis? How would you define the shit of crisis? I think the word crisis uh, has been over-exaggerated. I think that's too strong of a word. And that's the findings of most of the people I'm talking to. The word crisis is a bit much. So so what would you call it? I would call it in certain segments of of the Jewish population, it's, it is a crisis, yes. In certain others, it's a slowdown or there's a glitch. Uh, there's a slowdown in the system. There there are challenges, as we'll get into individual ones and and some bigger ones. I hope we'll make, uh, Yaakov, I hope we'll make this uh, this interview as controversial as possible <laughs> so that uh, the ratings of your show go up, right? <laughs> Not about that. What do you say we make this as controversial and dissenting as possible so that uh, everybody will be talking about you and people are going to be banging your doors down for sponsorships and uh, advertisement, and it's going to be you and the Super Bowl. What do you say (laughs) to that? Disclaimer and the Super Bowl. Disclaimer. What's the Super Bowl? Disclaimer. We did not collude or plan this ahead of time. You're saying this on your own. Obviously, you understand how this game how this game works. I'm sure that Nachi and Listen, you, uh, Yaakov have been begging every book you. Every publisher knows today, if you want to if you want to be successful in selling a book, if you want to see a spike in sales, you get a band. Right? <laughs> Great. Now you want to get me banned. A minute ago, you want to get us clicks. Now you want to get me banned. It's going from bad to worse band here. All right, all right. So look. That's success. So, so, how, so look, how would you do, look? We do agree, number one, that there are many, many unmarried uh, let's say boys and girls, age 25, 27, yes. 28. I don't know what age it trickles, but in other words, between age 25 and 30, there are a lot of ma- unmarried girls. And we're talking about the Litvish uh, world specifically. I know you're going to bring in some others, but that's the, the culture I want to focus on. Correct. So in those circles, everybody knows multiple families, 28, 27-year-old girl, 30-year-old girl, waiting for the phone to ring. Rahman Al-Tlan, you know, rings less and less as time goes on. Now, we'll discuss, is it the boys, is it the girls, is it uneven or even? But in other words, so you don't call it a crisis, but you agree that there are challenges and struggles, correct? Yes, there most certainly are. There's a lot of pain. If I could give you just a tad of background. Uh, You remember a few months ago, there was an event called the Adirea Torah. It was a Torah celebration for the thousands and thousands of learning men. And the uh, featured speaker there was Rav Bergman. He's the son-in-law of Rav Shach. And while this event had zero to do with Shaduchim, he found it important to talk about and to acknowledge the pain and anguish that does exist. And he, he gave a personal um, he gave a personal idea to the boys and the girls what they might do about it. And but he acknowledged that there's tremendous amounts of pain and anguish and struggles and, and this had to be mentioned and this had to be acknowledged. Right. Here's what he didn't do. Here's what he didn't do. He didn't lay blame. He didn't point fingers at anyone. He didn't lay blame at the boys. He didn't lay blame at the boys' mothers. He didn't lay blame at the Reisha Yeshiva, and neither did he lay blame at the boys' educational system. He did none of that. He merely acknowledged that there's a tremendous amount of pain on every level, and you and I know that this subject's been out there for 20 years, 
And um, so let's get into it. Yeah, let's, let's get, get into, into it because I want to I want to hear, especially because your experiences are vast yeah. and uh, you know unique in a lot of ways because you've spoken with so many different people in so many circles. You you, yes. you were in the trenches. You lived in a breathing. I do want right. to just uh, may, jump in and. Uh, not a correction, but I just want to make a clarification that uh, that blame, yeah. and I know you mean this, that finding the cause and blame, can, you know, there's a there's a line between those things, and they're not, and they're not the same well, things. I mean, you want to use the word blame, you want to use the word cause, but he didn't point fingers as as many of the advertisements that we see in publications do. Yeah, well, what, words, he acknowledged that it's out there. And he 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 acknowledges. No, I hear your point. I, I, I like I like it. the I like the point. Meaning, what I'm trying to say is, I, I don't want it to be like. And I know you don't mean this. You know, I don't want there to be like insinuation or right. inference that if somebody says, "Listen, we have to restructure the yeshiva system," that means they're blaming the Rosh yeshiva. It just kind of means that they think that the system has been structured a certain way and that that has led to I mean imbalances. I mean, we just so had it now in the news, it was very much in the news that the. Uh, that they're talking now about restructuring in a very, very substantial way yeah. the boys' educational system. I think they want to knock out one year of high school. They're talking That's obviously the report. about the uh, the Lakewood freezer, which you know, which is inconsequential. And, but I want to get I want to. And get I spent a lot of time on that. Yeah. So get into go go, please. Okay. Let me go here. So I was at the convention about a year ago, and the question came up to the panel. Uh, what are we going to do about the older girls? What are we going to do about the about the people suffering in Shaduchim? And one of the panelists, this Rabbi Lapiansky, I think he's the Rosh Hashiva of Washington, embedded in his yeah, Silver uh, Spring, oh, embedded oh. in this thing that we're lacking data, we're lacking data, and we're working off of not clear data and not clear hard evidence and information. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to come at it from both directions. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to test the validity and authenticity of the age gap theory against reality. I'm going to show how we get data. And my main presentation is going to be to finally put this thing to rest one way or the other. So first Great. of all, how do you how do you get data? It's very simple. It's a, it's a lot simpler than people want to think. You take 30 of the Beisiakov type schools. You go up and down the East Coast. You take the bulk of them from the East Coast, but you can go go down as far as Florida. You move out west, take 30 of them, and you look for classes that graduated where the girls would be 25 to 26, going back to 36, those 10 years. And you try to figure out how many of those girls are still single today. All 30 of them. And if the, if the, if the um, school themselves won't share the data with you or don't have the data, it's as simple as asking girls uh, ages 30, ages 35, how many are still single? Now, I just want to clarify, and, and, I, and I love the way yep. you're approaching this. Um, do you yes. mean ta- you take an entire grade? In other words, you take the graduating yes. class of, let's say, the you year 2000, and, and, but you, 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 you go across 20 or 30 graduated schools? graduated seven or eight years ago. And you ask anybody from that class, to your knowledge, how many girls are still around? But you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of girls, right? You, you don't just mean like one classroom of girls because you're going to need, obviously, a large Again, sample survey. if you're survey. going to do the survey, if you're going to do the homework and you're going to do the hard data, this is fairly easy work to do. You take 30 schools across this country, throwing Montreal, 30 school. Toronto, right. Throwing, right. throwing Canada. Understood. Get, take 15 to 17 of them in the Northeast. The other ones go out. West, go to the Midwest, go to the West Coast, 
put Canada in there, put the South in oh, there. I hear you. Why do you and suppose nobody's done this, by the way? I don't know. Okay. This is how That's it fair. gets done. Now, okay, continue. You as far as dating until gathering. age 25, because until age 25, they're still dating. It's still the chaotic years. It's still the whirlwind years. But Agreed. 25 or 26, going back 10 years, you find out how many girls are still single. And that's not the only thing. Then you want to get a sense of why they're still single. Who's getting married and who's being left behind and why? I want patterns. I want trends. I want family patterns. I want to see who, whoever's still left at age 32, should we say that's 10 to 13 percent of a class why are they single? Is it because they haven't been offered any dates? Is it because they chose to stay single and pursue higher education? Is it because it's a health issue? Whatever it is, that's what you want to do. You want to verify how how many girls are still single from age 26 going back through age 36. And that means that they, those are girls that graduated, uh, say, seven years ago going back through 17 years ago. Okay. And the margin, now it's much harder, but if you can track down how many boys are still single in those age groups, 25 through 35 going back, the margin difference, so they, the, the boys that are still around and cancel out the girls, the boys that are still around, well, however many girls are against that amount of boys, those cancel each other out. The remaining margin of girls, that's your crisis. Bingo. Okay. So if we should say that 13% of a uh, of a class is still left, if let's say there are 7% of boys left, so then 6%, there's your crisis. So, uh, and I want to clarify that because this is important. I know we're getting slightly into the weeds, but not too much yet. Let's, so let's just say you have a sample of 100 uh, boys and 100 girls. Let's say that number's 100. So you're saying yeah. if there are 13 unmarried girls in that group and there are 7 unmarried boys in that group, the 7 and the 7 cancel each other out and you're left with six additional six girls, girls right so okay but now i just want to point some some would say that there, there's kind of like a a, a sub crisis which is if those uh six boys and six girls are not married so yeah. you know we we want them by age 38 35 we want them to have found each other and gotten married so th th there's kind of like two levels and i think everybody would agree with this because we all know some 30 year old girls who are single we don't all know some 30 year old boys who are single so why yeah. can't we get those two married? So there's got to be something. Now, maybe, but again, it it's beyond our... Put it together, put it right. Together but you're, but you're pointing out, if and you're hitting on a crucial thing, which is, are there more girls than boys? In other words, bottom we've line, said, in the pool... My organizations, for 20 years, we've been warned that there's going to be a pileup and accumulation of untold amounts of girls, thanks to an age gap theory. 20 years into the deal, we get to do the data and right. verify okay. is it true Excellent, or excellent observation. So there's so that, that would be the way to kind of analyze, break down, crunch up the data. And you're alluding to the age gap theory. You mentioned that earlier, which, of course, is a theory that's been advanced that because of population growth, since boys are dating at age 22, 23, girls are yes. dating at age 19, 20. I just want to explain what this is. So, therefore, well, in any I'm pool. Explain oh, good, good, good. good. I apologize. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so go to the next simple. point then, because I know, you know, so, you kind of have. Very simple. At the same time, what, what are people themselves seeing? I'm going to talk about myself for one second. In my, by my coworkers, there's been about 30 weddings in my company. Not one person has a girl over 22, not even that much. In my family, the shadow crisis is non-existent. I happen to live between three different neighborhoods. I live in about five different schools. There's not a trace of the shadow crisis. The really? matchmakers that I've spoken to that deal with 30 plus all say 
There is a boy, there's a male for every female. So then what is the problem? Misalignment. Misalignment, incompatibility, and inflexibility. That's the problem. Now, Okay. Yeah. Now, again, just jumping in here. Number one, your opinion, yes. your uh, observations, I should say, are, are somewhat anecdotal because obviously we didn't, you know, we didn't do the study. I'm talking about myself, but, but we're going to get yeah, into yeah, that's stuff fair. But look, that's fair. You know, a lot of people bring anecdotal evidence. You, you can't avoid it because you know we simply right. don't have that massive study that we'd love to have. And everything well, is that, anecdotal. COVID was anecdotal. You know, science is, is anecdotal at a certain points. So, the, so the, there's no question that's valid. I'm going by what's in front of me. I'll it doesn't tell mean you, you so, solve the issue that way. But, but, uh, and I no, want to, uh, yeah, yeah. But in other words, okay. Continue, continue, because you're making some great points. I am on two different online groups, one in Israel and one over here, uh, one out of Queens, where we try to see who we can match up. In Israel, we're seeing a ton more men coming forward for help on these groups. In, uh, in the, one, the one here in New York, I would say 60% males, 40% females. That means they're coming forward for help. doesn't mean that physically there exists more females than males. What we're also finding is that by age 30, most Basiakov classes are married off, and the remaining ones are there for very, uh, are single for specific reasons, either they're pursuing higher education or they they just want to play the long game, etc. At what age? But but you're going to tell me that there are Basiakov girls age 28 who are not dating, who are not looking to get married? No, they are looking. They'll tell you they're looking. Either they're telling you they're getting... But you're saying they don't have the same focus on it. No, but when you say higher education, when you say higher education, what do you mean by that? What I mean is some girls, uh, some girls in those age groups are are going, this one wants to become a doctor, she wants to become a nurse or something. But but is she dating uh, or not? She's put dating on the back burner. It's not the most, it's not the absolute priority of her life. Got it. But more important, you referenced a young girl writes and saying, saying in this week's newspaper, she's in Shadukum and she doesn't like the word Shadukum price is being used. Mrs. Bear says there's no Shadukum crisis. There's a people's crisis. Rabbi Yafi says there's a lack of Shadukum crisis. And Rabbi Ryan says that the word crisis, uh, the word crisis gets used to push an agenda. A term that but was going to have, push an agenda. Here you have live Shadukum reacting the same way. Everyone considers them experts. I think that's an excellent point. They're, they're, and, and you're experts than me. Uh, look, and look, I think that your expertise speaks for itself in all the you know, analysis and all the time you spent. So I don't want to discount that at all. But in other words, the, there are people that me. are respected by the mainstream world as, as being literally go. experts in the shit of the world. And they're, and they're living it, breathing it. They're in the trenches. So that is huge. And, and by the way, and you made me realize this, I mentioned this earlier. Uh, that kind of was eye opening to me that we're talking about collecting data. We're talking about the age gap, making dramatic changes. And not to discount all of that, but you literally have experts uh, who are don't who don't agree if there even is a shit of crisis. That was really, really eye opening to me. They they are disagreeing. They're saying there's crisis, the struggles that are far more nuanced and far more personalized and individualized. But it is not about they are finding it is not about the age gap. Right. And let's move on. to We, we have some more to cover here. Yes. Go. What if we're all wrong? I want to go on to number two over here. What if we're all wrong? What if the data survey shows we're wrong? The age gap theory does exist, and huge seismic shifts, big corrections have to be made because there's going to be a pileup of girls left over never to become married. What if the age gap theory is real, and Abe Schoenfeld and all the Shatkanam are wrong? What do we do then? Yeah, yeah. 
And again, what do we do? Th- that would literally mean it's a numbers game where for 50 girls, you only have 40 boys. Game? What if the right. what if the shizzle crisis is very, very real? And what we've been fed in articles and advertisements for the last 20 years is true. Yeah. How do you fix it? So what would you say? That's what I want to get into. Good. That's important because it might be real. Yeah. That might well, this be is the main. Okay. What if it's true? So what is the age gap theory? Everybody knows. A boy 23 is getting set up with a girl 19. They're both in this. Why are they getting set up at those ages? Because they're both in the same place in life. They're both coming. They've both come back from Israel. They've both finished their education. They're in the equal places in life, despite the four year difference. You have a 23 year old guy getting set up with a 19 year old girl as the population increases every year. So there's your crisis. So in theory, if for every thousand girls that were born in 2000 would be 23 today the data shows that there are more boys born 60 per thousand so if there's a thousand girls there's 1060 boys born in the year in the year 2000 those boys would be age 23 now there's a lot more than that but we're going per thousand so what's happened so the age gap theory says that if you have boys who are age 23 who were born in the year 2000 and they're getting set up with girls who are 19 who are in the same place in life, so what you have in this case is 1,060 boys for what? For for 1,261 girls. So 200 extra girls. They're being set up with 19-year-olds who were born in 2004. That's the crisis. That's the crisis as we've known it for. 20 years. But, so what do yeah. we do? How do you fix that? But then, again, just to How clarify, so I'm just to make sure I understand yep. you correctly, and you're making, again, good points. Um, you're saying this that if there are more boys g- born in a given year, a given pool, than girls, it's, it's 60 There's out a of 1,000. There's more boys born. So, that's what the data shows. Okay, that's First interesting. That. So assuming that that's yes. accurate, I don't know firsthand, but I trust you, but assuming that's accurate, so you're saying it still doesn't balance out. If the age, we're going with the premise it the age gap is correct. Out because but at gap, least it mitigates. The four-year differential, is gonna the four-year be, differential okay. between 23 to age 19 to 2004 Again, the boy is born in 2000. The girl is born in 2004. Right. The difference, the difference of four years is a huge enough gap that this, the 60 difference is not that much. Okay, good. So, so there's the age how do you gap solve variant. It? Perfect. How do you, how do you solve, solve it? So for the last 20 years, all the pressure has been put squarely families. Society has come out and said the, boy, the girls have the problem. The boys got to do all the fixing. The boys have to do all the fixing now. Now, I don't know based on based on uh, what moral grounds we have the right to put a hundred percent of the of the responsibility for fixing the crisis on the boys who we say don't even have the crisis, and the girls should just start at eighteen nineteen. And I'm going to jump in here. And what you mean is really yeah. two pieces of guidance that have been given. Number one, boys should date older girls, girls older than they are, and number or the same age. And number two, that gr- that boys should start dating younger, like age 21. And, and that's what you're referring years, to. In the early years, they were pushing boys towards older girls, which is generally not a good idea. Because if you have a boy who's starting to date and he's going for an older girl, that girl could have been dating four or five years. So uh, it's not a fair matchup. 
Okay, that's your opinion. Most cases. Okay, okay, I, I can definitely hear that. I don't know if All everybody right. would agree, but I certainly understand that. Most people don't want to agree. I have, I have, <laughs> I have some family members who married older girls. It worked in those cases, but as a general rule, if you have a boy starting to date at age 24, he's being set up with a girl age 26, right? That girl's been dating for seven years, and he's just starting out. Yeah, right? look, that's a re- it's a, it's a very different a, a recipe for a okay. that could be a recipe but, for disaster. And getting back to your whole point, though, you're you're saying why have we always put the onus on the boys? I, by the way, I have a response to this. I'll get to it in a minute. All but right. why, as opposed to putting the onus on the girls, which would be what telling girls to wait until age 21 to start dating, right? That's just... what would happen. So you could say the girls won't agree, and that's fine. But here's 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 what fixes the problem. If the girls would agree, if if there would be a push by society and by the girls' representatives and those who claim to be concerned for them to start dating at age 21, so then, then you could go to the boys and say, hey, boys, I know you guys start at 23, but come down to age 22. And what happens then? So if you have a boy so if it, who was born in the year 2000, right, so if he if he dates a, if he goes out with a girl who was in two thousand one, that's one year younger. It balances out exactly. Interesting. It balances out exactly. Now again, in two thousand, in two thousand, one thousand and sixty, in two thousand and one, for girls, to uh, one thousand and sixty. The same thing goes down, and the same thing keeps going. One year younger. That the is boy, the girls wait till twenty one. The boys come down a year from 23 to 22, and that fixes the crisis 100%. It's absolutely Let me fascinating. Make it very clear. Yeah, go. Anything, anything outside, and I'm also going to mention, I'm also going to mention the other advantages that come along with this, the economic and financial advantages, but anything outside of this that I just mentioned, and you and I are going to be here in 20 years and then 40 years, agonizing over the same problem. Now, I just, I hear you. I want to, with my rebuttal, and you make, again, compelling points, thought-provoking points, but also, you've obviously thought about this a lot, super logical. You know, again, somebody out there can agree, can disagree, the data, we're never going to all agree, but in other words, nobody can dispute that you have it very methodically, logically worked out. You have to lay it out there to the public, you lay it out there to the public. Yeah, Here's and this what is where it starts. The crisis numerically, scientifically, mathematically. The girls wait until 21. The boys give back a year. The boys who don't have this crisis and also not ready at age 21. The boys are not mature enough at age 21. Uh, the girls are. Now, uh, the boys give back a year and they start dating at 22. Problem solved. But my rebuttal. From a mathematical perspective. From a mathematical and scientific perspective, it balances out. And you're kind of we'll saying... We'll get to some of the extra advantages besides for it. Great. And you're, and you're kind of saying, listen, why is everybody putting it on the boys? And why has nobody made this yes. suggestion, which almost seems like such a no-brainer, like such a simple you suggestion? You have no idea and, how much pressure, guilt, and blame has been put on the boys and their and, families when they're not even the ones having the crisis. Now, again, but my rebuttal, the reason this has not been done is because... Yes. From a practical standpoint, uh, uh, to tell girls to wait till they're 21 is good in theory. There's no real way to enforce it. So what, then what's going to happen there is, is no, there's going to be girls who sneak ahead. Yeah, but then there's going to be girls who sneak ahead. They say, I'm not waiting. I'm ready. I'm 19. I'm 20. So Financially well-off girls. 
But um, they, that, that's what's going so to happen. But if there's no, you know, there's no way to enforce the way a takana. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? The, there's the going to be 20% of girls who say, you know what? I don't care what, what the Rabbanim say. I'm, I'm so going to do this for myself. There's nothing we can do. But that's Again, my point is I think that's the girls, concern. It's easier to tell guys start earlier as opposed to okay, telling well, girls to make it into a competition. Science here. We've been fed math and science and numbers for the last 20 years. I'm responding to it. I hear you. It. I hear you. If, if people choose not to do it, there's nothing. This is not about enforcing. You know what? This is not about that's coercing. A, that's a very this valid is the point. Is, is try it. Do the math. We, we all agree it would work. Why has it not it even been discussed? Public. I, I put it you out there to the public. See how they respond. The you know what? Abe? Or reject. Abe? Excellent my, point. My personal it's never is, even been raised. Excellent point. My, my personal belief is that if there isn't a push from the from from the advertising community and from the letter writing community and the websites and the magazines and the newspapers uh, to at least put this out there as an idea. Put it out there. And the victims of the crisis have essentially ruled that this crisis is not. Now, now, while you bring this up, and I and I know we're going slightly out of order, and tell me if you want to bring it up later, yeah. but. Uh, you, you, the, you're, it, it kind of segues to something that I've thought about for a very long time, which is why has nobody brought up yes. the, the notion of reading the shit up to the girl first? It's always reading to the boy and then. That's a separate. So, okay, we'll get, get to that, that later because that, gotcha, gotcha, I really, gotcha. But I, also I, I don't want to kill your momentum. What other, <laughs> yeah. what, other be, what other benefits come along with yes, it? Yes, yes, yes. The way our system is set up now, a girl goes to, to Israel for seminary. Her parents just wrapped $35,000 and then. They're panicked to go running to start Shaduchim because they've been frightened into running to Shaduchim at age 18. And, and the parents have to start getting ready for weddings. So just those, the way our system is set up, just those two years alone, the seminary year plus the year following, um, that could, that's a $70,000, $80,000 business just for this one girl. If girls were to choose to wait voluntarily, and many girls do get married at age 21 and very healthily so. Uh, if girls were to choose to wait, first of all, it would provide some economic relief for the parents, and it would give the girls a chance to build up in business and save some money for the guy she says she wants to support in learning, because that's what these girls claim to want. So it would uh, it would provide the parents some economic relief, and it would also give the girl a chance to save up a few bucks. And guess what? Many girls have gotten married at 21, and, and, and very well so. Yeah, nice benefits. Agreed. But again, the point is you can't put 100% of the blame on the boys and the girls who have the problem uh, tell them to do nothing. Okay. I hear and you. if you say that they're not willing, then that's it. Okay. And it, then, uh, then, then all these organizations, should, you know, they should close up shop. They should make a going out of business sale. And they should take up playing golf because it it isn't going to change any other way. <laughs> you don't think it's going to change any other way? Okay, look, it's been certainly. It, it doesn't change any way. You can't force boys. You can't force boys into doing something. Not only that, even if you do cut out an age, even if you do cut out a year of high school, like they've been talking about, that takes care of twenty five percent of the problem. You still have seventy five percent of the problem left. That takes care of one year, right? And then the the, the freezer. The cutting out of this BMG freezer, which is a three-month business, is completely inconsequential. I want I want everyone to know that when a girl comes back in the summertime, when she lands back home from seminary, every boy in Lakewood is available to her at that time, okay? Because even the boys who came back Pesach unfreeze right around the same time that she comes home. She can have every boy at the time that she lands. What she can have is the boys are going to – the new crop that's going to come back next year. So if she and her parents are in February 
and they decide, okay, we've gone through the old stuff. We're going to wait for the new crop. She can't have it as soon as that new crop arrives. That's where there's a kicks in a three a three month freezer. So the freezer, which is all, is all of three months, is completely inconsequential to the age gap theory either way. Okay. So that's the age gap. Good. That covers it. I mean, obviously, you know, it's always more, but uh, I, I definitely see your perspective on that. All right. So what what's yeah. the next? Uh, now, I guess the next is to assume that the age gap is not the issue. Now, so then what's the issue? Now, yes, age gap or not, there's no question about it that it's much slower moving for the girls. If you're, you know, the entire the actual process, girls, including, including those who are trying to get married at age 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, Quite a huge chunk of every class is already married by age 21, and then more by age 22 and 23. But there's no question about it that there are a number of girls who are having a harder time getting it, dates yes. as quickly as the And boys. they're waiting by the phone, and, phone okay. and it's an enormous, enormous source of frustration for these Absolutely. families. Absolutely. Okay. There's no question about it that till the date, until that first yes, uh, the girls as a whole, the entire community of, uh, of girls is at a disadvantage as compared to the boys. So what, how do we fix that? Right now, for the last 100 years, this process is, this protocol is, I go to the boy, I present the girl, the boy may or may not look into it, and, and, and may, the boy may not look into it. But if the boy says yes, then you go to the girl and you tell him that the boys agree to it, the boys committed to seeing you, the girl takes her time, you know, does her due diligence, and either she accepts this boy for a date or she doesn't. That's the way it's been for the last hundred years, and it has its toll resources as well, why we do it that way. It's also a gentlemanly thing. We want, the, we want the men to reach out and strike up conversation first. And But today what's become is the complaint is that, well, the boys and her, the mothers are sitting with 30 of these uh, bios, shit of bios or resumes, and, and the girls are getting nothing. So first thing to know is just because our mother has 30 resumes of a girl doesn't mean she has guaranteed even one date out of it. Because all 30, 30 of those girls could say no. Right. That's the experience of, of most Shatkhanim. They say it after the first date that the girls do 75% of the rejecting, as I told you before. And that has to factor in. Yeah. You have but, a, and, and let's repeat that because that's a very important point. You've heard this yeah. from Shatkhanim. That the girls so do the majority. Khanim, in fact, one of the child Khanim, who's, who, whose line I just read before, I was on with her for an hour this morning. She let me use her name, but I'm still not going to. She said that wow. the vast majority of the rejections of the no's after the first date comes from the girls. Now, why do you suppose so, that is? That's that, that, that. I don't know. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to know everything. Why it's like that. I it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Understood. Continue. Well, the, 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 the difference between a, a, a by the way, I really respect you know that you're willing to say you don't know. I think it speaks a lot to your credibility. Number one, you have no agenda here, as I've discussed with you earlier, because you, you're willing to entertain every possibility and look at the options and figure out which ones right. you know at the solution. Which I love. Everyone, you know, not everyone. I don't want to overgeneralize, but you know, most of us, we step in, we have preconceived notions, and we kind of can't look at the other side of things and. That's not how you, you know, find solutions. But also the fact that you know, if, if you don't know the answer, huh? <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'll stop complimenting you. I'm not, not, okay, I'm not trying to flatter you or anything. I'm just telling you. All right, no, go no, continue, to, continue. I have nothing. I have nothing to give you back. Anyway, but what oh, if this changes? What is that? Okay, wow. 
I thought I was doing an okay job. All right, fine. That's fine. You are doing an okay <laughs> it's job. Fine. It's so right now the system is and has been boy, got a yes from the boy, and then girl. So in theory, 30, 40, 50 resumes can pile up on the boy's end, and the boy's under no pressure to or has no deadline to get back to the girl. Why? Because no girl said yes to him, so they can take their time looking through the best ones, just like the girls would do if they had 30 or 40 resumes of boys. And for that reason, and today it's even worse, because years ago, a shotgun had to call, call up my mother and present over the phone. Today, you can just dump these things down by email, right? The whole pallets and whole skids of Very resumes, true. you can dump into the mother or to the boy's email. So now they're even more overwhelmed than they were, say, 20, 30 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah. But what if all this changes? What if we give formal license, formal and social license for the girls to be to say, to be the ones to say yes, just like the boys. If a girl says, looks into a boy and a girl is interested in the boy and is ready to go out with, and she is allowed to commit to that boy, just like, just like we go to the boys. And what would that do? What would that accomplish? Yeah. It would completely, it would, not completely, but it would substantially unclog the traffic jam of resumes and ideas that are piling up on the boys' side. Right now, there's a traffic jam. There's a choke point building at that point in the system, in, in the assembly line, in the in the shit routine, in, in the routine shit of assembly line. This there's a major, major clog up at this point. But what if the girls can also extend a yes to a boy and commit to that boy, and then it would necessitate and require the boy to go and do his due diligence and get back to the girl in, th in three, four days, what would that what would that accomplish? Yeah, I need to it tell you. It would level things out. Level things and out. And it would, it, would it would create a lot more activity for the girl much quicker on. Right, and it would alleviate a lot of the struggle, a lot of the suffering, the frustration, waiting around. And, and it amazes me, again, that nobody's even bringing this up. Let it be a conversation. It seems so obvious once you mention it, and I, and I don't see what the risk could be. I don't see any again, downside. Yeah, and you, you could put this out there to the public to either accept, embrace, or reject, but you can put this out there as an idea, and change is slow in coming. But this is one more thing where I feel that yeah. if girls were allowed to give the yes first and then go to the boys, and the boys have to get back to them, it would make things go quicker for the girls as it would make things go quicker for the girls. And it would literally unstop this huge jam that is building up on the boys' side. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Excellent. Balance and, and, things out and, and, and you look it at would people, generate a lot more activity for both sides. And just to, you know, uh, on that thought for a moment, uh, just to follow up, I mean, people talk about speed dating and these types of things. What you're really kind of saying is that sometimes a, a boy will have, 12 or 14 dates in a year or let's say 17 girls he dates in a year, a, a girl. And that's fast. You know, that's a, that's working fast. And a girl sometimes yeah. will go a year, have five or six boys, you know, seven or eight boys, maybe four. So what you're but saying is that would stand there's a huge difference. Well, first of all, every boy who dates is dating a girl last I checked. <laughs> so if, if, if he's having 17 dates, then 17 girls also had dates. Right. Right. That's first of all. Second of all, you got to understand, a, girl, a boy could be getting many more calls because the, the call that's coming to the boy is a very unbaked call. All it's saying is, I know about a girl. Here's a, the girl exists. Here's a bio of a girl. 
But when exactly. a girl and her family gets a call, that's a much more serious call. That's a call saying that the boy, the, uh, the boy is interested in you. Right, 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 right. Okay, it's not the same kind of call. That's a very good point. Excellent point. All right, so let's move on to the next because I know you have some okay. more points you want to raise. Yeah. Yes. So they're complaining. There's not enough matchmakers. Okay. In fact, most of the shaduchim done today are being done through uh, family mem- are being done by family members, friends, coworkers, school people, neighbors, etc. One of the complaints, and I read it to you before, there's not enough matchmakers. And I believe the reason why is because the matchmakers, the shalchanim, are not being properly taken care of. The shalchanim are abused. Shalchanim have to work very hard to to meet the singles, and then everybody thinks they're the only one uh, that that's being serviced by this matchmaker. What if and a match a shotgun can put hours and hours and days and days into a shidduch and then it'll go bust and you know a day before they're about to get engaged and, and he or she'll see nothing for it. Right. It is very, very hard for these shotgunum. It's not the same like a commission from a real estate deal or or, or from a car salesman. Yeah. Because a lot of it is out of the matchmaker's hand. But what if the public were to get into the habit of compensating the shotgun monetarily, whatever they're able, after the second date. If a couple's gone out twice, what it means is that the shotgun thought of something that at least made it to a second date, and, she, and he or she could have put a lot of time in getting it to two dates, okay? And you could do the same thing after the fourth date, you do the same thing after the sixth date, and if the shidduch comes to fruition, you can pay the balance at the engagement. That would be very okay. enticing. Yeah, that would give them a lot more motivation now, to keep how going. How much should you be? How much should it be? It really depends on everyone. How many dates? How how many couples? Real? How many dates really make it to a second date and definitely to a fourth date and definitely to six dates? You're not really talking that much money. Grab a base fee of a base salary of uh, 150 per side. How much is that really to pay a shot for everything they put in for two dates? Each side gives 150, and if you can't afford it, less, and if you could afford it, more. But if the public were to get into the habit of compensating matchmakers for their work, for their honest work, then more matchmakers would want to uh, would want to work. And guess what? If the public won't take care of the matchmakers, then the matchmakers find something else to do. Yeah, very oh, simple. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And here and 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 here's my word to the public: Don't abuse those mat those shatchanim. They're not on your payroll. And also, don't pay any upfront consulting fees. And if you choose to pay it know that they have no contractual obligation to you. And if you feel and if you feel that you're going to be calling and holding them to the fact that you gave them a fee, don't pay it up front. In other words, but once they already went out on two dates, that means that the shop can put some serious work into it. Exactly. Okay. okay. And to the parents and parents of boys or girls, understand this. The matchmakers and your neighborhood and your community doesn't owe you extra just because you crowned yourself and declared yourself as being extra exclusive or extra picky or extra high um, high standing in the community, right? They don't owe you extra for that. If you wanna if you wanna give a matchmaker a harder time because your uh, great grandfather filled up gas in a specific town in Europe and that's why uh, you're entitled to more, <laughs> you're entitled to it, and nobody it's not nobody is, is here to tell you that you're not entitled to what you want. But guess what? The rest of society doesn't owe you for it. Okay. Something to know. Yeah. Okay, good. Continue. If I may, I'd like to to address potential new matchmakers. 
the ones who've carved out niches for themselves, the ones who've been at the spheres, they don't need my advice. They're not going to listen to me anyway. What about new ones? I want to dispense some very practical advice that will make their shadufim go a lot smoother. First of all, cut out any middle people. Deal directly with the boy or the girl or the parents of the boy or the girl. Not with a cousin to a neighbor to the girl and a cousin and a neighbor to the boy with where messages and intentions are going to get mixed up along the way. And keep each side respectful of the other side. How do you decide if you're going to read a shidduch or not? Think to yourself, what is the feedback? What is that call going to be after date number one from the boy and the girl? And that'll keep you honest as a way of deciding and litigating if this is a good shidduch to suggest or not. Are you doing it because you really think that both the boy and the girl are going to be interested in each other? Then great. If you think that the boy is going to be excited to want to go out with this girl again, then great. And the same thing goes with the girl wanting to go out with the boy. But if you're doing it out of pity for one side, uh, know that it's going to backfire on you. Okay? Yeah. Okay. Very interesting. Keep it business. Keep it business. Don't get into the drama and to the gossip of things. Just just keep the, the messages and the communication clear between the boy and the girl about if they're going to go again, if they're not. A yes from a, you get a yes from a boy three days for the girl to do her due diligence and get back and be very strong on the boy that the references that he listed, they should have the cell phones open because otherwise it drags out and it's on the boy that the girl side can't get the proper information. Yeah, it could be a so huge drain. I, I can tell you firsthand, absolutely. I mean, just uh, you know, trying to track people down and get the calls, and obviously people are busy, so and we understand all that. Yes, but you're right, these practical points can can make a the huge impact. The boy should be told very clearly, the references that you're giving me, Chanel, should be expecting a call, and the cell phone should be Give on. them a heads up. Excellent, yeah, continue. Make sure that those references are expecting a call. This is super call. valuable advice. And, and the girl should be given three to four days because the boy is waiting. The girl didn't wait. The boy is waiting. He's he's putting himself on ice for the specific girl, and the girl's eyes need to respect the yes that the boy boy has given. After date number one, the shantan should insist on 24 hours to hear back from each side. Doesn't mean you have to get back with a clear yes or no, but don't go to the other side, okay? 24, within 24 hours of the date, the shantan is to receive a call feedback from the boy and the girl or the boy's parents and the girl's parents. Doesn't mean it has to be an absolute yes or no. Maybe there's something they still want to think about, but do not keep the other side waiting. It is extremely disrespectful to the other side to, to just disappear and keep the other side hanging. Right. Okay. Deliver answers. In a very in a businesslike but sensitive way without getting into any gossip. One other thing I want to tell Shatran, one, one other thing I want to tell Shatranim, you always think that everything has to be uh, based on personalities, right? She's got a strong personality. He's got a strong personality. Hassan Seifer says that that when Eliezer went to look for a shidduch for Yitzchak, he knew that Yitzchak he knew that Yitzchak was a stronger kind of a more rigid type of person. So he looked for somebody that had the opposite personality in Rivka. Avram and Sarah were different than each other. Avram was more of a giving person. And Sarah, Chazal said, had a tsar ayin. She was more of a rigid personality. And the reverse was with Yitzchak 
and Rivka. So if you if you know of a boy who could who can use some leadership in life, you can put him together with a girl that's that's stronger, that's more headstrong than he is. Think things can balance each other out. Okay. Very interesting. Yes. Keep going. Fine. Let's get let's get into pictures. So in the last twenty years more, um, the shidduch industry has moved with pictures, and that includes websites, that includes these emails. That part of the presentation of the package of a boy or girl is a picture or two or three. Now there's been a lot of complaints about that. There was even an organization that came out about it two years ago. It was called Nix the Picks, and it was directed at the parents of the boys. Do not make the requests to get pictures from a girl. So the first thing you have to do is you have to tally up the whole picture experience and say, are, is the exchange of pictures, the existence of pictures in Shadukum, which has come in in the last 25 years as a result of the technology that, that's come to us, is it generating more Shadukum? Is it jump-starting more Shadukum? Or is it obstructing more Shadukum from happening? From happening? Do you understand? Because yeah. if the total picture experience is creating more Shadukum, then who's anyone to tell anyone to not do pictures? And if the pictures are obstructing Shadukim, yeah, then they're a target for uh, they're, they're a target for elimination. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think some people also have some kind of moral, ethical, you know, hashkafa concerns. Um, okay. But so what I want to tell the and now I'm directing at the parents of the girls, girls and your parents. Nobody has the right to make you. To, to force you to send and share a picture if you're uncomfortable with it. Nobody can do and nobody can force you to send to send it. Nobody can force you to share a picture. I don't have to get into it. Your, listen, your listenership is very astute and very smart. They know the pros and cons about the picture sharing versus not, whether it's from a modesty perspective or from a practical perspective. It's not something you and I have to get into. I would into. agree. Yeah. But, People but, can figure it out. What the girls and the boys should know is nobody can force you or compress you to send a picture if you don't want to send one. Alternatively, if you have a group of girls or a class of group of girls who feel they don't want to give a picture, it's a breach of their it's a breach of their modesty values. It is an invasion of their privacy. Guess what? They can all come together as one and affirm. Guess what? We're not giving pictures. You can have a whole high school come together and sign a petition all at once. You can have a seminary class come together and all together say we're not giving pictures because we're not comfortable with it. And it is a compromise of our modesty values. And guess what? You'll see how quickly the whole picture thing will change. Okay, interesting. But do keep in mind and it's not that, that simple, obviously. Websites, but, there are but whole it's... websites that operate with pictures, and it has created many shadultums. So you got to weigh the pros and the cons, and you got to think to yourself, and you got to try to figure out has the existence of pictures brought about more shaduchim or less? Very interesting question and very interesting observation. By the way, just from a timing standpoint, we have about five minutes left, just so you know. It's not a hard break. Okay. But... Gotcha. All the singles need to take matters into their own hands. All the singles cannot rely on on matchmakers and 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 people their own. How age would you define older? Older, older means from once they moved out their parents' house and once they are handling their own shaduchim. Okay. Okay? 
Men have to men have to meet matchmakers in suits and ties. Men have to come to a date with a clean car the entire part, not just not just the front seat because she looks into the back too to see what's going on there. <laughs> you have to if it's after six o'clock, you have to offer the girl dinner and don't be a cheapskate because it's going to come back to bite you if you even are. on the first date. Even on the first date okay. after six o'clock, if you're in a kosher place, you offer dinner. And well, here's another tip for guys: let the girl talk, let the girl <laughs> take the lead in the conversation, let the ta- let the girl take the lead in the conversation, let her be the one to talk. And if you're going to ask her, if you want to talk, ask her questions about herself on the first date. Let her take the lead in the conversation. Also, for men, men need to stop organizing more weekends. All men, both divorced and single, we had one last year, which I joined. I, I went there to coordinate it. Guys had a great time. It is healthy. It is good. The women do it with Samchenu and with sister to the sister. The men have to start doing the same exact thing. And one last thing I want to talk about, which is how do you talk to older single boys and girls at weddings, bar mitzvahs, Oh, yes, this is a very, very big deal. Yes, please. This is the la- and this is the last thing I got, especially if it's the older sister of the Kala or the older brother of the cousin. You cannot imagine how much pain and anguish that girl is in. So how about you just make her or him feel like a regular, regular person? Don't stay away from the Mietz Hashem by you, regardless of, of how much you mean. She doesn't, have, she doesn't need you to remind her that she's still single. She knows it pretty girl, pretty well. She's in tremendous, tremendous pain, and the guy less, but the girls, the girls take it a lot worse. You know why you're bringing up the subject. If you bring it up, up for substance, or if you bring it up for gossip, the only time that you should bring up anything having to do with shaduchim, don't ask her what she's looking for because you know what she's looking for. Tell her, I know a certain boy. Can this boy be for you? So if you're dealing with an older girl at a wedding. Talk to her about the latest recipe for kakash cake, bread or chicken, and where she got such a nice dress from. If you're talking to men, talk about the weather, the traffic, the stock market, the upcoming Super Bowl, politics at home, B- and the situation in the Middle East. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I got. And that's I, it's not all you got because I know there's a lot more in there. But uh, but yeah, that's all you got for this round. And uh, that's don't you know don't downplay it because I'm you know I'm I'm reluctant to compliment you now after what I did what happened last time I complimented you. But I, I zoomed through I, the last three or four items. I wanted to get more into them. Yeah, but, no, uh, we could spend the other episodes. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I you know uh, I also have some beautiful stories about shaduchim that I know that that I'm aware of. Uh, give us one. one. Give us one. For now, and then I'd love to have time, you back. How much time you got? Give, how give us one. I, I have time. Give, give us one more. Give us one story. So I have a couple. I, I, I'm friends with a family. They're very close friends of mine, and uh, he stayed in touch with one of the Lakewood Rashi Yeshiva. His name is Rav Newman. Rav Newman is known to have a pipeline with God, and who else would have it other than him? He's Newman. committed his entire life to the service of Hashem. So if there's anyone that's entitled to have any communication with Hashem, it's him. So so my friend was telling me that his daughter's already 20, and he went to Rav Newman, who he kept in touch with, and asked for a bracha that, um, that his daughter should get a shidduch. Rav Newman said to him, I want you to know, I'm going to give you the bracha, but I want you to know the shidduch is not going to come right away. It's not going to come right away. It's not going to come instantaneously. It's not going to come COD cash on demand. When will it come? 
when that has to come. She was 20. And every time, as the weeks, months, and years went by, every time that they were complaining, another thing didn't work out. Uh, she, had a, she had another hard date and another, you know, another thing blew up. I, I found myself having to remind them, what did your Rebbe say? What did Rav Newman say? What did your Rosh Hashiva say? You're in it. You're living it right now. But you got to remember, you have to trust your Rebbe that it's going to come when it has to come, just the way he said. Well, guess what? About two years to the date of when he gave that, when that conversation was had, this girl got engaged and married to a beautiful, beautiful boy. Now, the family was not a family of means. They didn't have major financial means. She was able to save up some money. She was in a far better position to get married, both from a maturity perspective, from um, from, an, from an economic and financial perspective. She was in every way better adjusted and, and positioned for marriage than she would have been two years before. She got a beautiful, beautiful guy. And that's why I want to tell, especially the girls, while you're in it, it's not easy. But you got to know that your time's going to come when it has to come. Hashem works in his time and in his way. And you're not part of a crisis. You're not part of a stat. Don't let anybody tell you. Don't let anybody pressure you. Most of the girls are married by 30, 31, and 32. And the same is going to happen for you. Beautiful. Beautiful story. Beautiful message. And, uh, yeah, really, really powerful, meaningful. And I think it could be, you know, source of, let's say, nechama or, you know, consolation to people who are, who are out there struggling. And uh, on that note, yeah, we are going to, let you go, and um, you know, I, I would love to do this again, but I just I have to mention that number one, just listening yeah. to you, and look, like you said, you wanted to make it a little controversial. I'm sure it will be, uh, but at oh, the yeah. same time, and and it's debatable, and we're never going to have consensus. There's always going to be d- a d- disagreement, which is which is fine. That's a good thing. But and by I, the way, I have no skin in the game. I, I got no, no horse right. In you the have state. none, and, that, yeah, and you made all that clear. I care just speaking is for to more you, more and more should do come to happen. Uh, right. Uh, that, uh, yeah. Exactly. And th- th- that that should absolutely come true. But I will say, you know, listening to you speak, you, you have clearly you live it, you breathe it. You, you not just your knowledge and your experiences, but this is something you've spent so much time thinking about. You've put so much of your own kish because you've put you've invested so much of yourself, your life. And it comes through, you know, so just just from that alone, all the amazing advice and insights that you've given are very powerful. I don't care whether somebody agrees or disagrees with your points. You know, these are ideas that you're throwing out there and even the personal stuff and the advice. I wasn't even expecting all that stuff. And you sent me some of that content and material. It's very you got it. People have to listen up because you can you you can really, really help people to be rolled up and packaged and put out to the public as some ideas for the public to either embrace or reject. Extremely and, super valuable. Um, All right. It. Okay. So on that note, again, uh, a, a, a person who I would consider having a lot of expertise in Shaduchim, but a man who spent many, many years involved in the Shaduch world on a lot of levels and made a lot of Shaduchim, but again, a lot of the Shaduch coordination of the, uh, of the Shaduch events. You're still, I think, a consultant and probably a lot more than that. Uh, Abe Schoenfeld, thank you so much for spending yep. the time here on the Yaakov Thank M. Show you, and on the Rabbi Vin Yaakov. podcast. You should have tremendous success in everything you do. Your show, your show should should prosper, and uh, people should prosper, and people should get the, the soulmate they want. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. We will leave it there. Thank you.